0: would love for you to get plugged in. So uh, we were doing worship this morning, and I was noticing that we were singing, and like the uh, floor is bouncing a little bit, and the words on the screen were moving. And I really like that because I thought that's a great thing when people say, hey, tell me about your church, and you say, well, we're the kind of church that when we worship, the uh, floor kind of moves a little bit, and the words on the screen vibrate, and that's just the kind of church we are, so just tell them that, and they just kind of look at you like, I'm not sure what that means, like, okay, just need to come and check it out, but anyway, hey, we're going to get started, I'm going to be doing our teaching time, it's going to be a little different today, we've got it divided into two parts, but uh, let me pray, and then I'll tell you what's going on, okay? Hey Lord, thank you for being here. Thank you for uh, having each one of us here today. And as we, uh, as we listen, as we look into your word, as we hear stories, testimonies, Father, move um, in our hearts. Help us to not only be encouraged, but to be an encouragement to others. And we thank you for your faithfulness to us. In Christ's name, amen. In 2007, I had the opportunity to go to the country of India. I'd never been there before. I spent almost two weeks in the country of India. It was a fascinating trip. Uh, the church that I was currently serving I had a long relationship with some missionaries there, and I was able uh, to spend some time with a family, and uh, one of the sons in the family is named Rajesh, and uh, today he is here, and he's going to share a little bit about what his family does, and then I asked him to kind of share a little bit about how that translates um, into our lives as Americans. Now, Rajesh is one of the most humble people that you will ever, ever meet. So you, you, he, he is a rock star in the kingdom of God, but he wouldn't tell you that, okay? I will tell you that because he is an incredibly, incredibly humble guy. But every time I'm with him, and I was telling Matt about this, every time I'm with him and he starts talking to me and telling me stories about how God has worked in his life, I just sit there with my mouth open and I'm like, that's unbelievable. Like, all the, like I, I kind of feel like God's working in my life and then I hear Rajesh talk and I'm like, dude, you're on a whole nother level, okay? You are, you are allowing God to use you and do things that I aspire to, but I just realized that I have so far to go. So we're gonna take about 15 minutes. I want you to meet him. He's gonna share a little bit about, about what his family does and then talk about how it translates for you and I and some of the values that we have here at Exodus. So give a very warm Exodus welcome to Rajesh Paul. All right, go ahead and have a seat here, Rajesh. Okay, so we had lunch a couple weeks ago, right? He's been in uh, America for 45 days and he's going back on Tuesday. So he hasn't seen his wife in 45 days. So he's uh, had a good trip, but you're looking forward to going back and seeing your family. Uh, Rajesh, tell everyone a little bit about the mission that you
1: and your family um, have been called by God to do in India. <coughs> But it was my grandmother who first accepted Christ, and the price that she paid for accepting Christ was she was kicked out of the village. So we were living, I remember my parents, and she, we used to live on the edge of the village, uh, but she held on to the faith and said, these people need to know who Christ is. And uh, and that's, that fascinated us, and my father, I, I, it was a difficult time. Uh, for all of us, because every time we needed to get to the, uh, to the f- into the village, we had to go all around and walk through. We were not even allowed to go through the village. So it was, uh, it, it was tough. But then the only words that my grandmother kept saying was, things may be tough for a Christian, but they're not impossible, because our God is a God of impossibilities. He makes everything possible. So uh, she built the first church, and I remember for three years, nobody entered into the church. None of the villagers, and she was the only person. And we, as a family, we used to sit and worship. And the whole church was empty. It was a big church that she built, and everybody, everyone else had thatched uh, roof houses made of mud, but ours was the only concrete built church there. After three years, we had a big flood, and uh, the the whole all the villages, and the, all the houses in the villages were demolished, and the place that people had nowhere to go, and the church was the only place where they could come in. So we invited them and had them stay with us for four months. And then today we, we have a uh, congregation of 400 people and more worshiping oh. in, that, uh, in that church. In 1997, um, after the death of my grandmother, my father took up the ministry completely. And uh, from then on, it was no turning back. My dad was like, if they can have shrines and temples all over the country, we should have at least one church per village. So our mission was to go around and come, uh, build churches. In 2007, when you were there, we were, we were having around 18 churches. Eighteen, 18 right, 18 churches. yeah. But today in 2013, we have 48 churches. Uh, we have a home for boys and girls where we have 85 uh, orphans uh, start. Uh, being taken care of. We have a school. We have a completely built-up hospital now. We still are expanding on that part, and uh, we have training modules. Uh, it is difficult for people to come in. And when you tell them, why don't you just come in for a service? But then, when we looked at the ministry of Christ, it was more holistic. And the words of Jesus with Peter was like, if you allow me, feed my sheep, tend my sheep, and this means a lot more than just going around and preaching, teaching. Mm-hmm. So we took that aspect and said, these are the Uh, the only ways that you can make the commission a success. So uh, we started having uh, training models for sewing. Most of the women are uneducated. So we used to say, well, fine, we're going to have a Sewing training session for the next six months, who are, who are interested, and everybody would be in the church. Uh-huh. And that gives them an opportunity for the preacher to start with the prayer, maybe sing a few songs, and uh, have a contact with everybody in the village. And then over six months, amazing stories happen. Many people turned to Christ. People who had pressure from families, they said, How about having PA systems outside the church so that we can sit in our homes and listen to the gospel? So that was our journey. It was difficult. We had police people come up to us and say, well, fine, with their intelligence, that people are going to harm you. But well, fine, we're working with the people and we're working for the people.
0: So when you have a church service, you have a speaker outside speaker the church outside and, and the whole you broadcast to listen to it. whether they want to or
1: not, yeah. they have to
0: listen to it. Okay.
1: <laughs> That's not a bad idea, Matt. We could think about doing that. Yeah. Uh, so today we are 48 congregations. We are still expanding and uh, uh, looking into God for various opportunities where we can reach to the medical team gets in. Every program that we do happens from the church. So that villagers, people who come in contact to us, know that because of this church, these are happening. If yeah. there's no church, this is not going to happen. Right. So we have our programs all from the church. So it's a testimony. That so you're Christian connecting
0: church loving people mm-hmm. w- and reaching out to them and helping yeah, serve their needs of, with uh, the church. and Christ
1: him. in action. Right. I think that's what uh, is a helping us to go forward, and it's fascinating. Today, if you came over, you would find new villages coming up to you and saying, how about establishing a church in our village? Because yeah. they know with this church comes a lot more action and not just, just coming around teaching preaching and preaching.
0: So these 48 churches, just to kind of give you a difference between cultures, so you, you, his dad or his family's had to go out. They have to go into a village, find th- the land, get the land, Get the building built, pay for the building, find a preacher, train the preacher, come up with ways to pay the preacher, mm-hmm. and then put the preacher in the building, win the church, and pay for it all, and like make sure that it's going, and then keep it running. Mm-hmm. Times 48, they've done that. Um, over, the, over the past couple of decades. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of a totally different model than we're used to in, in the United States. And then Rajesh is also a doctor and a dentist, yes, correct? Yes, yeah, and uh, he's got a couple things going on on, on <laughs> the side. And then your wife is a She's doctor, a yes. yes, which uh, when I was there in 2007, I, I didn't meet her. They, they got oh, married after, and then he was telling me over lunch that it was an arranged marriage which I kind of was like, okay, Rajesh, you have to explain that to me (laughs) because I do not understand that at all. So we had a little conversation, but in India, that's traditionally how uh, things work so if we don't even have the dating. Dating doesn't even go on. Kind of in uh, how you met your wife, ha- spoke to her how many times before you got married? Once. Once. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a little different over there than it is here. But uh, uh, we have a map about that shows where uh, Rajesh's
1: family is located. So explain that Rajesh and that map right there. Uh, we are in the south, uh, the southern part of India, and uh, that the marked state is the state of Andhra Pradesh, and. Uh, we are living right on the coast, the east coast. If you see the bend of, in India, we are right on the bend. And uh, we are on, on the banks of a river called as Krishna. And, uh, yep, that's where we are located. And uh, our ministry is spread over uh, a population of 2 million people. Huh, wow. One of the things I asked Rajesh to talk about is we talk about
0: stretching beyond comfort here. That's a value of our church. You've heard Matt talk about it. You've heard me talk about it. I, I wanted... Or just to speak about that a little bit, because whenever I'm with him and he starts talking and telling me these amazing stories, I'm like, holy cow, that is that is definitely stretching beyond comfort and allowing God and the Holy Spirit to work. So how does that phrase, stretch beyond comfort,
1: affect you as a Christian and then translate into y- your work? Well, I uh, started uh, getting into, my, my the first uh, time I really had to work with the Holy Spirit and say, God, what next was when I came out of my high school. I I got we, I finished my higher secondary and I got admitted into engineering. My majors were maths, physics, chemistry, and biology in in the college level. And I was I had a go into uh, engineering. And it was that night I was going to get into college. The next morning, I was praying. At all the my younger ages uh, days I used to be, during my childhood I used to ask God to make me a doctor, but. Here was a chance. I couldn't get into a med school because Christians don't have opportunities more than one person. The the Indian government allows only one Christian per class for education and for Mm. job opportunities. So getting into med school was more difficult with few seats, but engineering had more opportunities. And I was going to go into this class. I got uh, uh, admitted into the computer science engineering department, which was like a, a very big thing during uh, in the 1997, uh, I opened the Bible that night and I said, Lord, I want to know your will that I'm going there and what do you want me to do? And I opened the Bible and the first thing that it, I saw was, so now you want to stand against the will of God in your life. That's the only thing I read in First Chronicle and I said, maybe I'm not doing the right thing. And I went up to my dad and I said, I was going to be the first engineer in my family. So I went up to my dad and said, "No, I'm not going to go there. I want to become a doctor. I want to try." For the next three years, it was horrible. Time, everybody mm. despising me, thinking that I was a big fool, and and uh, that was how it went. And uh, but finally got into a med school. And then, f- as I was doing finishing my college, I the second instant where I had to make a big choice was with my job. Uh, Getting out of the college, I I passed my uh, international qualifying examination for United Kingdom and I got a job for $300,000. So my dad walked up to me and he said, you know what, in the ministry I would like to have a hospital, a medical wing. And if you went, where where, where would I have hired a person for that cost? So it was a tough time. I had this, I came running to my father with a letter which said, you're selected for a job. And he just, he was not happy. So I just tore up that opportunity and I started working in the mission for
0: $50. Huh.
1: So you had a job for $300,000 a yeah. year and you chose to take a job for, for $50. Dollars. That was like beyond my, com- uh, my comfort zone. I had <laughs> <worked>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that yeah. is. That's a little bit of a stretch, Rajesh. So uh, yeah. We can understand that. And uh, <laughs> so eight years on, I still work for $300 today. You for 300 my wife and I, together, we have paid $350 a So month. your
0: salary is $350 no, a month. For Wh-
1: both of us. And if you were a doctor, just you, how much would that be in India? How much typically uh, would you make a I- month? I, I could be making close to $6,000 to $10,000 per month
0: uh-huh. if I was
1: in India. Both both my wife and I, together, we could be making close to $20,000 a month. But uh, we are happy with the $350 that the mission pays us. And uh, many amazing stories, helping us to reach out to people who have never met a doctor before. Mm-hmm. It's full of factory out there. And I, I, I remember I, I was dating a girl then I had a girlfriend and uh, sh- we were always thinking of getting married after we got out of college because I was she was a gold medalist too and I was on the gold medalist list too. So everybody thought that these guys are a wonderful pair and they're going to make big money when they get out. But when I came back to her and I said, My dad, this is what my dad said, and I'm going to give up my job, she, she just dropped me. She said, You're a fool. Today you mm. would drop uh, your job for uh, this, and tomorrow, who knows, you would drop me just for God. So, so it was a tough time. There were times that uh, I felt like I been uh, killing myself, but then I just carried on. I, said, I, always remember, I kept reminding myself, and I said, Well, fine, there is hope that God will make my life better at some point and uh, something that I really put my trust in God at different phases of my life and today, of course a lot of my friends who finished their engineering are settled abroad but I travel around the world talking about God and Uh I travel with nothing in my hands except this Bible but I'm well taken care of. by. Uh,
0: That's an amazing story. Now you also were telling me a little bit about your wife's parents Mm -hmm. don't always understand the,
1: the mission that you and your wife have been called to, it's so it's caused some tension, right? Yeah, it's, it was an arranged marriage. They thought, well, fine, this, guy, this person, he's a doctor and he keeps going to the U.S. and all that, so maybe they would have thought, uh, this guy makes a lot of money. So they <laughs> had this whole thing going. I just talked to my wife, bef- uh, talked to this girl. First time I met my wife was, uh, she was walking with her mother. And she just got out of a six-hour bus ride, an open bus ride. She was dark, dusty, and all her hair flew off. She was horrible. (laughs) (laughs) She she wasn't all all prettied
0: up and everything. No, no. 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 She was just horrible.
1: (laughs) Uh, and then three days later, I, my dad walked up to me and said, we, we heard that you met this girl. What do you think about her? And I didn't want to be rude to somebody whom <laughs> I didn't know. I said, well, she, lo- she seems to be looking her. She seems to be good-looking. And that's all I said. A week later, my marriage was being arranged by my parents. Wow. And I said, well, I need, I need to call this girl, talk to her. Let me just talk for a few minutes. And then took her phone number and called. And she didn't even know who I was because I had to re- introduce myself. And she said, oh, OK, my parents talked about you. And I told her, this is what I earn, and this is what I can afford and give you a life for. Think about it. And she said, let me take, she was frightened. Three days, she said, let me pray for three days. I'll ask how God leads me. And three days, she said, I think God tells me that you're the right person for me. And that's all I talked before my marriage. Four months later, we got married and uh, a day later she had to get back to college because she still had a year and a half to finish uh-huh. so we were just married and uh, the next day i took her doctor her back at college and used to visit her once in a month for the next year and a half oh,
0: that's an amazing so we story we started
1: our uh, m- uh, family very late but she turned out to be the best person i, I don't think god I, I could have selected one person on my own i, I just said lord whatever is your will is going to happen and I, and uh, we had a container of uh, some equipment come in, and somebody at the last minute threw uh, some expired food materials into that. So when the government of India opened the customs, opened they found this expired material and they said, "This is hazardous material transport into the country," and uh, they were going to book the mission and the, the board members and all so I got in, so my wife and I we just spoke to ourselves and said, "Somebody's got to do it." All all the churches and all that would be in deep trouble. I got in. I said, I went up to the court and I said. I'm the doctor. I travel very often to the United States and I was the person who gave a go-ahead for it and I'm punishable for this and not the board. So I took the blame on
0: So they they had a a, a big container that Mm -hmm. came with medicine from the U.S., but at the last minute somebody put in some medicine that was expired, expired. And so because of that, the Indian government opened it up and saw that and that's very, it's illegal to have expired medicine. So they were
1: looking for who was responsible yeah, for it, right? Uh, so I gave in myself and uh, they so said. You uh, said it was me, I, yeah, I was the one. two days, if you don't pay $5,000 and fine, you will be in jail for next six months. So it wow. was a very big testing time. My wife came out and she said, I don't care about anything, I want my husband out. She sold all her jewelry. She sold some of the property that my parents mm-hmm. gave. And this didn't go well with my wife's side. So they said, <laughs> this guy, he's not allowing you to work. He, he works as a beggar for $350, and then he's <laughs> not giving you a good life. Now he's making you se- sell everything that we gave as a gift. So we want you to stay away from all this. So she said, Dad, you don't understand what he's doing. I'm going to mm-hmm. stand with my husband, and if you talk like this, I have nothing to do with you. So you had to come up with $5,000. $5,000 in two days. In
0: two days, mm-hmm. and you make $300 a month. Yeah. And so she sold a everything, lot of, yeah, she sold. Our ab- wedding
1: rings, our wedding gifts, everything we are sold that uh, the very next day and she came up and paid because I was in the police station and I couldn't go out. So she was doing all that herself wow. and uh, she came up to, Chen. I was and, and I was actually uh, 600 miles from her, uh, from where she was. So she did all this, came back and paid and uh, got me out. And uh, it didn't go well with her parents. Her parents still don't talk to her because she said, Hmm. well, fine, Mm -hmm. I have nothing to do with you if you talk against my husband like this. So difficult times. But then we are still working a relationship with her parents We felt well find they're still parents yeah, and um, talk a little bit about hearing and responding, because you
0: and I talked about that how you feel like uh, when God tells you something or the Holy Spirit tells you to do it, and then you you're you're faithful and you you follow the Holy Spirit, how God
1: handles those situations what have, What has he taught you uh, Well, during my trying for the visa, that was the best thing that I can ever think about how uh, i I just closed my eyes and first time I applied for my visa to the United States, they said, you're a nation, you're not married, and you're a potential threat to the United States, and we can't give you a visa, and rejected my visa. The second time I went in, they had an interview for 45 minutes, and towards the interview last, he said, no, I'm sorry, I can't give you. Give me one good reason why I have to give you a visa. And I said, I'm satisfied with what I'm doing, and I work for the poor and the needy. And he said, well, there are so many poor people in the United States that you look at them and say, well, I want to serve them and stay back. So we cannot give you a visa. I'm sorry, young man, and better luck next time. And as he was about to strike my application form, I just said, for the last time, God help me. And I just opened my eyes and said, if that is God's will that I have to settle down the United States, you cannot stop me from doing it. I am going to stay back in the United States. And he just was shocked, dropped the pen. And he lab, burst out laughing and he said, your visa is granted. And he, in fact, I applied for a three-month visa, but he gave me a 10-year visa.
0: Yeah. <laughs> now, tell me how rare that is. How it's, rare is that people would get
1: a 10-year visa to the, come to the U.S. if you're an Indian it's citizen? It's like one in a million applications. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's something that is like, and that too, for a young person who's unmarried, it is impossible to get a multiple entry unless you're a student or you have... Put in a lot of money into the United States colleges and so all So you that. Fairly,
0: clearly felt like God had told you you and were going to get a visa, and
1: it was something that if you tell it today, nobody would give you a visa. You're banned from the country for the next for your whole life. And I, I some, I thought that I was being moved in the direction I just said it, and, and that's what happened. And I came into the U.S. and my flight was like uh, an hour and a half delayed for the first time. And I had to get connection to Indianapolis. I was standing in this big line with four or five flights, jumbo jets landed. And they were like, I, within a half hour, the gates to the other uh, flight would be closed. And I'm, I'm standing here, which would take at least two to three hours to get to the immigration to get my clearance. I was just passing through. I didn't have phone numbers. I didn't know whom to contact, where, how to get in touch. Because if and I this is when you're in the U.S. in the U.S. If I miss the people in uh, the uh, uh, in Indianapolis, I don't know how to get to Washington. So I was standing in line, and there's this police officer who came up. He lifted the tag and said, "Go there." And that was for U.S. citizens. I said, "That's for U.S. citizens. I can't go there." And he was like, "Go. I am telling you." And I went there. I went up to this immigration officer. He said indian passport this is for us citizens i said that was the officer who asked me to go here and turn back there was no officer there <laughs> and he just shook my hair shook his head and said uh, there's nobody there i said I, i'm not lying to you yeah. and then he just uh, said oh whatever. so,
0: so do you believe sometimes an, sometimes <laughs> angels come and I god puts know, people in I there it's just
1: strange incidences. but then i for me when i look back at my life and and all that for uh, for the faith that you put forward and act according according to what God uh, asks you to do, amazing things happen. Hmm. Can, I can't explain, but then I know that it happens.
0: It happens. Our yeah. God
1: is a God of impossible things. He yeah. makes it happen. Yeah.
0: yeah. A couple things about uh, Rajesh. First of all, if he's going to hang around afterwards if you want to talk to him. Um, there's also information about his family's ministry under the Boys and Girls Club sign over there. So if you want to stop by and uh, pick that up. How many people here have been to the country of India before? Anybody in here been? A, f- a few of you have. Okay, so some of you kind of have a little bit of frame of reference of being in, in India. One of the things you talked to me about this morning was you guys are getting ready to start kind of an internship program for students. Um, so, maybe something in the future, if, if some of you wanted to do some kind of short-term internship in India, there's some possibilities, and we can put you in touch. I know that's a long way off, but uh, think about that, and maybe God would lay that on your heart. So, Rajesh, I wish we could keep talking, because you have, a, like, a hundreds of these other stories that just always amaze me, but uh, we're going to have to wrap it up. But I, I want to pray for you, okay? And uh, let's bow our heads together. <laughs> Hey, God, I thank you for Rajesh, and um, he's been over here, and he's been just sharing what God is doing. Um, His family, their ministry, the 48 churches, the hospital, all of that, um, they they need our prayers. Father, they need our support, and uh, I just thank you that he's been able to come and share a little bit about what you've called him to do and just really challenge us about how he has stretched beyond comfort. Um, how he has heard you speak and responded, and Father, how um, you are a God who does impossible things. And we are very encouraged by that. And um, I love Rajesh. I appreciate what he does. I, there's no one that I know that's more faithful to you, uh, more humble. And uh, it's just been a pleasure to have him share just a glimpse of what you're doing in his life today. And it's in Christ's name that we pray for them. Amen. All right. Thank you, Rajesh. Well,
1: thank yeah, you for yeah. giving.
0: Good handle to me. All right, thank you.